Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of August 4. In the news. Despite calls from around the world to lift the blockade of Artsakh, Baku continues to strangulate 120,000 people. The abduction and arrest of a 68-year-old resident of Artsakh during a humanitarian transfer raises fears of deepening the already acute crisis in the region. And diplomats accredited it to Armenia and UN agencies visit Gornizor, where trucks of humanitarian aid continue to be blocked by Baku. The situation in Nagorno-Karabakh continues to deteriorate as Azerbaijan maintains its chokehold on 120,000 people, including 30,000 children, despite calls from power centers around the world to lift the blockade. Here at EVN Report, we have been providing live updates on the situation as the Armenians of Artsakh find themselves on the precipice of starvation with no humanitarian aid being allowed into the republic. And what is painfully clear is that calls being made from Washington, Brussels, or Moscow, or even the UN continue to be ineffective at getting Baku to lift the blockade. Further aggravating and deepening the crisis, Azerbaijan opened a new front on the humanitarian catastrophe by abducting and then arresting a 68-year-old resident of Artsakh, Vakif Khachadurian, on July 29, who is being transferred under the care of the ICRC to Armenia for emergency heart surgery. We will talk more about Vakif Khachadurian later in the program, but just as a reminder, as we've been reporting for months now, the Lachin Corridor, the only lifeline Artsakh has with the world, has been blockaded since December 2020. And since mid-June, Azerbaijan has also refused Russian peacekeepers and the ICRC from delivering any form of aid to the population. As such, the humanitarian situation has become extremely grave. People are fainting in bread lines, children are suffering from malnourishment, and miscarriages have increased threefold. The psychological and emotional stress on the population is beginning to show cracks. The humanitarian convoy sent from Yerevan on July 26 by the Armenian government remains in Kornizor, the starting point of the Lachin Corridor, and on July 28, representatives of the diplomatic corps in Armenia visited Gornizor to see the situation on the ground for themselves. Armenia's Deputy Foreign Minister Vahan Gostanyan briefed the diplomats, saying that Baku's actions clearly showed their intent to ethnically cleanse Artsakh of its indigenous Armenian population. He also expressed hope that what the representatives saw will be conveyed to their capitals and appropriate statements will be made to help unblock the corridor. And following the diplomats' visit to Gornitsor, a number of embassies, governments, leaders, and international organizations have issued statements, but to no avail. However, in the interest of reporting the news, we will list some of these statements. U.S. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said he is, quote, deeply concerned by the reports of continued challenges related to the freedom of movement along the Lachin Corridor. This was in a statement from August 2. Guterres recalled his previous statement for, quote, both parties to implement the International Court of Justice order, he is particularly concerned about the humanitarian situation on the ground and urges both parties to intensify efforts toward the long-term normalization of relations for the benefit of peace and security in the region. And the next day after the statement, on August 3, representatives of UN agencies operating in Armenia visited the border section of Gornizor, where the convoy of trucks trying to transport humanitarian aid from Armenia to Nagorno-Karabakh has been stranded for nine days now. Nana Skau, acting permanent coordinator of the UN in Armenia, made a short statement. 21 humanitarian trucks are waiting in Gornizor, and a few kilometers away from here, people are simply dying of hunger. 
She went on to note that she unfortunately could not add to the statement by the U.S. Secretary General, noting that she hopes it will, quote, lead to positive results. On August 1, the chair of the European Parliament's delegation for relations with the South Caucasus, Marina Kalirand, and the Parliament's standing reporters on Armenia and Azerbaijan issued a joint statement expressing full support for the July 26th statement of EU High Representative Joseph Borrell. They stress that Azerbaijani offers of alternative roads for humanitarian aid is separate from its obligation regarding the opening of the Lachin Corridor. Humanitarian aid must be allowed to the region and any impediment to access constitutes a violation of international humanitarian law. The statement also reiterated their call on Baku to end the blockade immediately and commit to the respective international obligations and norms in order to prevent a humanitarian disaster. On July 31, the President of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe Europe issued a statement calling to organize a fact-finding mission to Azerbaijan as early as possible with the aim of assessing the situation where Armenians live and have been affected by the absence of free and safe access through the Lachin Corridor since uh, 12 December 2022. On August 1, Samantha Power, the administrator of USAID, tweeted, Food insecurity and shortages of medical supplies in Nagorno-Karabakh are very troubling. The Lachin Corridor is critical for getting life-saving supplies to the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. I join Secretary Blinken's call for the free transit of commercial and humanitarian supplies through the corridor. On the same day, Sam Brownback, former U.S. Senator, Governor of Kansas and U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom, tweeted, It is getting progressively worse for Christians in Nagorno-Karabakh. The Lachin Corridor is closed in spite of an agreement to keep it open. Azerbaijan must be sanctioned for their humanitarian abuses before it gets even worse. On July 31, the World Council of Churches issued a statement on Nagorno-Karabakh calling on the international community to intervene immediately and quickly in order to end the blockade and save the lives of the Artsakh residents and then proceed to efforts of finding diplomatic solutions for a just peace in the region. The World Council of Churches also called on Azerbaijan and other forces involved to lift the blockade to ensure free movement through the Lachin Corridor and to alleviate the suffering of the Armenian population of Artsakh. 2018 Nobel Peace Prize laureate, a Yazidi activist, Nadia Murad, tweeted, The humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is deeply concerning. The Azerbaijani government must allow aid to be delivered through the Lachin Corridor to the people in need. And this week, the Global Center for the Responsibility to Protect issued an atrocity alert for Nagorno-Karabakh amidst the ongoing blockade by Azerbaijan, calling on Baku to lift the blockade, allow unhindered and safe passage and humanitarian access. And today, Javier Colomina, NATO's special representative for the Caucasus in Central Asia, tweeted, Deeply troubled by the deteriorating situation surrounding the Lachin Corridor, key to ensure freedom of movement and address pressing humanitarian needs. NATO encourages all stakeholders to redouble efforts toward reaching a negotiated Armenia-Azerbaijan agreement. And returning to the abduction and arrest of Vakif Khachatarian by Azerbaijani forces, on July 29, Khachatarian was being transferred via the Lachin Corridor by ICRC on his way to Yerevan for emergency heart surgery. At the Azerbaijan checkpoint on the Hakari Bridge, he was taken to another location with the ICRC representative, who was later forcibly removed from the car and placed in another vehicle, while Khachatarian was taken to an unknown location. 
Association. It later became known that the 68-year-old was taken to Baku to stand trial on charges of allegedly killing and deporting Gharapagh's ethnic Azerbaijani residents in December 1991 at the start of the first Gharapagh war. The Prosecutor General's Office of Azerbaijan announced that Khachatryan was charged back in 2013, a decision was made to arrest him, and that an international search was announced the same year. Igor Safarov, the Prosecutor General's Office's representative, said they are looking for eight more Armenians who are participants in the Meshali genocide. Armenian human rights defender Anait Manasyan, however, said there is no information regarding Khachadurian in any international intelligence system. Her office has sent relevant letters to international organizations with a mandate to protect human rights. Emphasizing that Khachadurian is a person under international humanitarian protection who was being transported to Armenia under the auspices of the ICRC to receive treatment, the defender declared that his abduction by the border guards of Azerbaijan is a gross violation of international humanitarian law. Manasyan also recorded that Khachatryan's relatives, including minors, were targeted by Azerbaijanis on social networks, particularly on Telegram channels. The abduction of Khachatryan by the border services of Azerbaijan is an insidious and unacceptable act against the norms of international humanitarian law and aimed at ethnic cleansing of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. Foreign Minister Arat Mirzoyan stated on August 1 in a telephone conversation with Miriana Spoliarich Igor. She is the president of the International Committee of the Red Cross. And yesterday, Azerbaijan's ombudsman visited Khachatryan in a photo shared by Baku. Khachatryan has the European Convention on Human Rights in front of him in Armenian and a hotline so that if Azeri law enforcement officers take any step that contradict the convention, he should alert the ombudsman of Azerbaijan. And it's like fascinating that they've translated or have an or translated copy of the European Convention on Human Rights, maybe they should read it as well. Huh? <laughs> In Azerbaijan, yeah. The prosecutor's office of Artsakh opened a criminal case regarding the kidnapping, claiming that the accusations against the senior citizen are absurd, while official Stepan Aguert called on international bodies, including the ICRC, to take urgent measures to release Khachadaryan. Arsakh human rights defender Geram Stepanyan has said that the ICRC bears the responsibility for the safe transportation of medical patients through the lodging corridor and demanded the structure to give a legal assessment of this Azerbaijani crime to take all actions arising from the mandate of the ICRC in order to return Khachadryan to Arsakh. I think it's also important to note that ICRC representatives in Azerbaijan have visited Vakif Khachadaryan in prison to see what his uh, health condition is and uh, the state of his detention. Although, as far as we know, as of today, he has not been able to talk to his family and his daughters have issued several comments. Azerbaijan's foreign ministry said that the claims of the Armenian side regarding the arrest of Khachadaryan are unreasonable, accusing Armenia of, quote, manipulations, and noted that Azerbaijan will continue to take measures to bring to justice those who committed war crimes in its territory. And, you know, based on this, I think it's also important for our readers to know that we have this uh, a really uh, in-depth article by Associate Tatikian, title of which that now every Armenian man basically has a target on his back living in Nagorno-Karabakh, because this has been the fear all along, right, that they might use these trumped-up charges to try to arrest the male population. And the checkpoint, which yeah, kind checkpoint, of gets, which gives illegal, them an yeah. avenue. And um, they've already announced that they're looking for eight more That's uh, right, people, yeah. so who knows what other lists Azerbaijan has uh, has compiled. Well, an application regarding the protection of the rights of Khachatryan was submitted to the European Court of Human Rights requesting an interim measure against Azerbaijan. Yereshek Giragosian, Armenia's representative for international legal affairs, reported this. The European Court of Human Rights gave Azerbaijan until August 8, 
need to provide information on Khachadrian. On August 3, Khachadrian was questioned as part of uh, fabricated criminal proceedings in Azerbaijan. The Azerbaijani news agency reported that Khachadrian was taken to a hospital after his arrest. He was examined by doctors regarding his health. After the medical examination, he was provided with a lawyer and a translator. Charges against Khachadrian were announced and a preliminary interrogation was held. Um, there were even images of that interrogation, Rubina. It was quite disturbing to see. Currently, other investigative measures are being taken in connection with him. This uh, was said by Ilgar Safarov, uh, senior assistant to the prosecutor general. And Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharva commented on the abduction and said such situations further complicate the process of finding solutions. She also emphasized the importance of the immediate opening of the latching corridor and again, and maybe Zakharva was the first and mm-hmm. yeah, yet the only one who's commented on the situation That's with Khachatarian. Right. Well, following this uh, particular case, Azerbaijani authorities arrested another man, Rashid Beklarian, who had accidentally crossed into Azeri-controlled territory while he was intoxicated. The Nagorno-Karabakh prosecutor's office later said that Beklarian was actually kidnapped by Azerbaijani servicemen while walking toward Armenia. Beklarian, who is 61 years old, was from Hinshan in the region of Shushi. Stepanaget notified the Russian peacekeepers of the incident. According to the official statement, the soldiers of the state border guard of Azerbaijan, Beklarian, violated the Azerbaijan-Armenia state border through the territory of Ahavno village of the Lachin region. The Armenian site later released a message stating that in 2020, as a result of the war, he was displaced from the city of Shushi. Representatives of the ICRC haven't yet visited Beklarian. Armenia has again applied to the ECHR with a request to indicate interim measures. Against Azerbaijan to protect the rights of Beklarian, Armenia's representative Yerisha Giragosian said in a statement that the ECHR has given Azerbaijan until August 10 to provide information on his whereabouts and condition. And on July 29, Azerbaijan demanded that countries and international agencies manipulated by Armenia not intervene in the country's internal affairs. Azerbaijan also continues to deny that the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is critical. That same day, Azerbaijan's Foreign Minister Jehum Bayramov sent a letter to U.S. Secretary General Antonio Guterres insisting that Armenia's statements about the humanitarian situation do not correspond to reality. He went on to say that with the help of the ICRC, Azerbaijan is ensuring the free movement of the population of Gharapakh through the Lachin Corridor. This week, Euronews aired interviews with Armenian Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan and Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev on August 1. The interviews were conducted earlier on July 26 and 22, respectively. It's interesting, though, the interview with uh, Aliyev uh, was actually in Shushi, which was very, very tone deaf by Euronews. And actually, even the questions by the journalist were quite interesting or naive, uh, for lack of a better word. Anyway, during his interview, Pashinyan said that there is a humanitarian catastrophe in Gharapagh and there is a real threat of hunger we are facing there as well as health problems. When asked about the Ardam road proposed by Azerbaijan, Pashinyan replied, I don't know what you are referring to because he alluded to the fact that he signed the November 9, 2020 ceasefire statement uh, that contained provisions only for the Lachin Corridor. 
Pashinyan also addressed the EU mediation between Armenia and Azerbaijan. He said that there is a problem that during the talks facilitated by Charles Michel, President of European Council, the sides reach a certain understanding, but when one of the sides does not address or fulfill the agreement, it is not followed even by a specific assessment. He gave the example of Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev's promise and commitment at the end of last year to release 10 Armenian prisoners, which was never fulfilled. I assume that the effective mediation is when the failure to fulfill an agreement would be followed by at least a show of political attitude toward the one that fails to fulfill that commitment, Pashinyan said in a rather roundabout way. In the Brussels platform, we are not seeing this, he said. I keep raising this issue. Aliyev, in his interview, told Euronews that traffic has never stopped along the Lachin Corridor and that the issue of the Lachin Corridor is an obstacle for peace. He complained that the International Committee of the Red Cross Office in Karabakh is subordinate not to Baku but to Yerevan, which he called unacceptable. The whole world recognizes Karabakh as part of Azerbaijan. That is our legitimate request as to why the Red Cross Khangendi uh, office is not subordinate to Baku office but to Yerevan office, he said. Uh, Aliyev went on to say that the Armenian community of Gharapag should not oppose the peace initiatives of the international community and understand that if they don't sign a peace agreement with Azerbaijan, the situation in the future will be unpredictable, adding that he believes communication with Artsakh Armenians will be much easier without the Russian peacekeepers. Now they're looking for new security guarantors who is ready to have a standoff with Azerbaijan on the battlefield in this area, especially after we demonstrated during the war and after we increased our defense capability after the war. Is there anyone ready to fight for Armenians against us? I doubt it, he added. Aliyev went on to say that Armenians should not follow their so-called leaders. These leaders were lying to them all the time, current and previous, he said, before the war, during the war that they were winning. So this is not in, even for the internal audience, no. because when he says things like this, people always a, say an always internal say audience, or but this is for an international news news agency. Mm-hmm. This is a is an interview with the. No, I mean the rhetoric was very clear. It was very um, warlike. It was very threatening. Pashinyan was talking about peace and all of this, and on the other hand, you had, uh, you know, a, a president who had won a major war, a major victory, who is not satisfied. And his rhetoric was very, very uh, tough and threatening. And he's announcing that there's going to be a military solution to yes. the situation because no one will dare fight Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, speaking at a cabinet meeting on August 3, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan urged Azerbaijan not to block the Armenian humanitarian aid convoy's access to Nagorno-Karabakh as a step showing commitment to the peace agenda. Well, there you go. I mean, this says everything, right? Pashinyan has said that there is a chance of achieving long-term and sustainable peace with Azerbaijan and called on Baku to refrain from steps aimed at decreasing these chances. The release of Vakiv Khachadurian, other captives, prisoners of war, and detainees would be an impressive signal of commitment to the peace agenda, the prime minister said. Pashinyan denied Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev's claim that the border between the countries is undefined. There's an impression that Azerbaijan has the following plan, he said, to sign a peace treaty with terms that will allow for disputing the border between Armenia and Azerbaijan stipulated under the Almaty Declaration and subsequently make territorial claims against Armenia during the delimitation and demarcation process. The Prime Minister reiterated the agreement on establishing peace based on the reciprocal recognition of the respective territorial integrity of Armenia and Azerbaijan. Again, he mentioned very specific Uh, square kilometers of each and said that he is waiting for Azerbaijan to reiterate this agreement publicly, which 
Aliyev has not. Let's be very clear on this. Well, Aliyev is saying, well, since you do it, like also do it in writing, but yeah. they haven't even said it exactly. uh, publicly. Well, well, they talk about Western Azerbaijan. They talk about how Yerevan is part of Azerbaijan, how Armenians never lived, uh, you know, in this piece of real estate. Uh, it's quite incredible. And the number of the corridors is increasing. Like there was the Zangezur corridor. Now there's the Adam corridor. Yeah. Well, on July 30, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke with Azerbaijan's president, Ilham Aliyev, to express deep concern for the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. Secretary Blinken underscored the urgent need for free transit of commercial, humanitarian, and private vehicles through the Lachin Corridor and emphasized the need for compromise on alternative routes so humanitarian supplies can reach the population of Nagorno-Karabakh. The secretary stressed the need for all parties to keep a positive momentum on peace negotiations. It's, it's, this is, Isn't it, it too late for the positive well, momentum? Well, no. I mean, we had this issue last week when Michelle talked about saying, you know, Lachin Corridor or alternative routes and now Blinken also saying the same thing. Um, it, it's basically quite insulting, to be honest, because... Um, especially the last state, the last part where he says all parties to keep up positive momentum. How do you keep up positive momentum when 120,000 Armenians now are facing this total uh, blockade? And uh, also kind of we have to bear in mind that if these messages are directed at the government of Armenia, it is also the people of Artsakh who are rejecting an, mm -hmm. any uh, aid from a true uh, mm -hmm. Adam. Adam, I'm sorry. So uh, who, who is this message uh, addressed to in a way? Well, this is also interesting because the following day on July 31, State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller said that the U.S. continues to believe that peace is possible and within reach. He went on to say that to accomplish it, both Armenia and Azerbaijan have to make, quote, difficult compromises in order to reach a peace agreement. Uh, in a press briefing on August 1, Miller once again urged Armenia and Azerbaijan to make, quote, difficult compromises that are necessary to reach a full peace agreement. And you had mentioned earlier, Rubina, when we were preparing this week, that this terminology is also something that's, what does it mean by difficult uh, compromises and who are they referring to? Because up until this point, since November 9, 2020, it seems Armenia has done all the compromises and Azerbaijan has only ramped up the demands and the rhetoric, so... All uh, territorial disputes between Armenia and Azerbaijan should be resolved within the framework of the process of delimitation and demarcation of the Armenian-Azerbaijani border, Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova said on August 1, when asked about Moscow's position on Baku's demand to gain control over seven enclaves in Ararat and Davos regions. And uh, Russia keeps saying that they're ready to provide any kind of technical support, knowledge also, and mediation maps. maps. but nothing seems yeah. to be moving. The needle is not not moving for sure. Zakharov also said that Moscow supports the process of launching negotiations between Baku and Stepanagert and is working to bring the strongly contradicting approaches of the parties closer to one another. The Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson said that Russian peacekeepers previously helped organize meetings between the two delegations and are ready to continue providing necessary support to this process. And speaking of these meetings, Azerbaijan cancelled Western-mediated talks with representatives of Nagorno-Karabakh scheduled for August 1. The chairman of the Anti-Crisis Council in Artsakh, Tigran Petrosyan, said this on July 31. A meeting between representatives of Artsakh and Azerbaijan was supposed to take place in Slovakia's capital, Bratislava, with the mediation of the United States of America and European Union, but Azerbaijan refused to meet without an explanation, said Petrosyan. He added that the Azerbaijani side and Moscow are organizing talks to be held in Baku 
or another Azerbaijani city, something which is unacceptable to Gharapakh's leadership. Petrosyan also said, mentioned that on July 25, at the meeting of the heads of foreign ministers of Russia, Army, and Azerbaijan, Sergei Lavrov called the uh, people of Artsakh representatives of national minorities. This is unacceptable for us, said Petrosyan. He went on to say that Western mediators and delegates will visit Yerevan in the upcoming days to discuss the possibility of organizing a meeting with uh, representatives of Stepanakert and Azerbaijan. A similar meeting was originally planned in Bulgaria for the beginning of July, but did not take place because the sides did not agree on the agenda. The authorities in Stepanakert maintained that the agenda must include Gharapal's right to self-determination. And Artsakh's president, Araik Hartunian, pointed out in late June that Baku is only willing to discuss the Armenian-populated region's integration into Azerbaijan. In late May, Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev warned that Gharbagh Armenians must accept Azerbaijani rule or risk fresh military action. And he keeps saying it, so... Well, and we've seen... <laughs> Just we've seen in what the happened, news right. uh, yeah. interview, yeah. Um, unpredictable situation. Yeah. On August 1, Artsakh's foreign ministry posted an announcement emphasizing that the authorities of Artsakh are always ready to discuss reasonable proposals regarding the organization of meetings between the representatives of Artsakh and Azerbaijan. Moreover, the Artsakh side, in turn, regularly comes up with initiatives and proposals to organize meetings between the reps uh, of Artsakh and Azerbaijan with the participation of mediators. The Artsakh Foreign Ministry went on to say that the dialogue's success depends on both sides' real interest and conscientious approach to uh, settling their differences. If the Azerbaijani side also shows such readiness, it will pave the way for the start of the dialogue. In this context, we again emphasize that the dialogue between Artsakh and Azerbaijan should occur in an internationally agreed format with a corresponding mandate. On August 3, Foreign Affairs Minister Arat Mirzoyan of Armenia had a telephone conversation with EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell. The sides discussed the humanitarian situation in Artsakh. After the conversation, Borrell tweeted that he reiterated EU support to reopen the Lachin Corridor without delay to enable humanitarian aid delivery and, quote, to return to dialogue in good faith, including between Baku and Gharapagh Armenians. Now there's a two-track diplomacy negotiations taking place Armenia, Azerbaijan, and then, of course, Stepanagert, Baku. At an open debate at the UN Security Council on famine and uh, conflict-induced global food insecurity, Armenia's Deputy Foreign Minister Vahe Gevorkian addressed the humanitarian situation in Artsakh. He noted that starvation has been repeatedly used as a method of warfare and perpetration of genocide throughout history. But he is bringing, uh, he said, an example not from the past, but a situation which is happening right now, a situation wherein people do not know whether today they will be able to find milk, formula for their baby, a loaf of bread for their children or provide medicine to critically ill relatives. As we meet the people of Nagorno-Karabakh face threats to their very existence resulting from the complete blockade imposed by Azerbaijan, Gevorkian stated, adding that the dire humanitarian situation and risks of evolving hunger require efficient and timely response by the international community to ensure full and unconditional implementation of the ICJ decisions and full respect of international human rights and international humanitarian law. Yeah, you know, he had a, a very strong uh, speech group at the thing. He expressed hope that uh, Guterres's uh, statement will be a first step toward a full UN engagement on the ground because we've seen the UN be very cautious and he said this is needed more than ever and he's 
said that the cost of inaction is going to be too high to be sustained and this mass atrocity being perpetrated through starvation should and can be prevented and stopped. So he called on the UN, on international actors, basically anybody who would listen to make sure that the Lachin Corridor would be unblocked. Natalie Broadhurst, Deputy Permanent Representative of France to the United Nations, also reflected on the situation in the Lachin Corridor. She said France would also like to call for the lifting of the obstacles to the delivery of humanitarian and food aid for the population of Nagorno-Karabakh through the Lachin Corridor, as well as obstacles to movement in accordance with the ICJ order of February 22, 2023. At a time when humanitarian space is shrinking, France reiterates its full support for all humanitarian actors in carrying out their difficult missions. On August 2, Senior Advisor for Caucasus Negotiations and Co-Chair of the OSC Minsk Group, Luis Bono, arrived in Armenia. He met the Secretary of the Security Council, uh, Armin Grigorian. They discussed the regular things. We can say this off by heart by now. Armenia-Azerbaijan relations, the rights and security of the people of Artsakh. Grigorian described the crisis in Harapah and the imperative to unblock the corridor. According to the State Department, Bono is in the region to discuss U.S. support for the peace process and will visit both Armenia and Azerbaijan to discuss the humanitarian situation, the rights and security of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh, and that peace in the region has to include the protection of the people of Karabakh. On August 3, Bono had a meeting. He went to Baku and had a meeting with Foreign Affairs Minister Jehun Bayramov. According to the Azerbaijani side, they discussed the negotiation process between Armenia and Azerbaijan and the situation in the region. The Azerbaijani side also reported about Bayramov's claim that Armenia did not completely withdraw its armed forces from Nagorno-Karabakh and hindered the opening of communication routes. Bayramov claimed that the statements that the population of Nagorno-Karabakh is under blockade are baseless as Azerbaijan offered the Ardam Road as an alternative for humanitarian assistance. And Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev also had a meeting with Bono and discussed the situation regarding the peace treaty and the normalization process. On July 31, at a press conference with his Azerbaijani counterpart in Ankara, Turkey's foreign minister Hakan Fidan stated that the Lachin Road is Azerbaijan's territory. Therefore, Azerbaijan takes whatever measures it deems necessary. Taking measures is also one of its greatest sovereign rights. Medical transportations are also possible. Other routes which are suitable for extensive material transport also have been allocated. When we look at all these evaluations, we think that there is no justification for criticizing Azerbaijan on this issue, he stated. And during his visit to Turkey, Bayramov also met with uh, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. They discussed the immediate opening of the Zankizur Corridor and the need to reach a comprehensive peace treaty. On August 2, the EU monitoring mission in Armenia opened a new operational center in Rapan, in addition to the Goris office. This is the fourth of the planned six centers. Ambassadors representing EU states in Armenia and the governor of Sunik, Robert Hugasian, participated in the opening ceremony. Marcus Ritter, he's the head of the EUMA, said that the Rapan hub is highly important for the mission given its strategic position and added that it will allow them to expand its mission in Sunik region province, carry out more regular observations and reports on the security situation of the of the region. He expressed hope that the opening of the Rapan hub will have a positive impact on the peace process, which the EU supports. Ritter also expressed hope that the population of Sunik will feel safer. The Collective Security Treaty Organization, the CSTO, is ready to revisit the discussion on the possible deployment of its monitoring mission along the Armenia-Azerbaijan border and is awaiting a response from Yerevan. This was said by 
the Russian Foreign Ministry on August 2. This sounds really familiar. I, I feel like we've said this <laughs> I a don't think of we've times. ever read this. No, <laughs> no we haven't. Well, Moscow believes that making the relevant decision would positively impact the general regional situation, said Mikhail Agasandian, the head of the first department of the CIS countries at the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Armenia has repeatedly announced its dissatisfaction with the military pact. Yerevan demanded that the CSDO condemn Azerbaijan's invasion of its sovereign territory. Back in September 2022, the CSDO did not fulfill this demand. In response, Armenia first canceled uh, military, CSDO military exercises on its territory and then relinquished its turn to take up the office of Deputy Secretary General in the organization. The CSDO has stated several times that it is always ready to send a mission to the Armenian-Azerbaijani border based on the interest of ensuring Armenia's security. In mid-April, Moscow announced again that the terms of sending the CSDO mission to the Armenian-Azerbaijani border depend on Armenia. We, we know the ball is on our uh, park. Right, right, so I'm not going to read the next paragraph. I'm going to jump to the next one. This week, Baku claimed that nagorno karabakh jammed the GPS systems of civilian aircraft flying uh, in over nagorno karabakh airspace from July 24 to 27 and caused serious threats to the safety of the flights. Authorities in Artsakh vehemently denied these accusations. I don't even know if they have the capability to do that, but anyway. And on July 29, Azerbaijani armed forces opened fire in the Armenian positions of Khanazakh. Uh, this was reported by Armenia's defense ministry. Khanazakh is in the Sunni region. On July 26, the body of serviceman Murat Grigorian was found in a military unit with a fatal gunshot wound in the head. His gun was attached to him. The investigative committee reported that he was shot by a fellow serviceman following an argument. On July 29, the accused soldier was charged with murder. He pleaded guilty to those charges. And uh, on August 1 and 2, the arrested former defense minister of Armenia, David Onoyan, was allowed to appear in front of a parliamentary commission conducting a probe into the 2020 Artsakh war. Onoyan was in office between May 2018 and November 2020. Part of the hearings continued behind closed doors, but in the section open to the media, Onoyan made several noteworthy remarks. He said that when the bro- war broke out, he was in an EU and NATO member state, trying to secure armaments supplies to Armenia. He said that during the war, Armenia had no fighter jets and no anti-aircraft defense aviation. He stated that Turkey's direct involvement in the war, especially from uh, the direction of Artsakh, had not been anticipated by them. When Turkish F-16 fighter jets were deployed in Ganja, the Armenian general staff understood that they were not only being used for drills, that it was actual uh, sorties that they were Well, he uh, kind of opened the parenthesis. He said, in the period before the war, when the Turkish F-16s were deployed in Ganja, both I and the general staff understood that this was not done for training purposes at all. When every day almost four planes were in the air for eight hours a day that were approaching the border as much as 25 kilometers and were even such approaches that forced the Arsakh Defense Army's air defense system to turn on. Our concerns increased, he said. When those flight jets were rotated, it showed that there was a serious impulse to start military operations. Donoya stated that before the war, Russia urged the Armenian side not to shoot down the F-16s, quote, not to provide the situation. Donoyan said he was in Mehri, uh, this is in the south of Armenia, between October 21 and 29 under Nigol Pashinyan's orders. He said he witnessed the shelling of a Russian border guard post in the area by Azerbaijan.
He said there was not enough time to make the Su-30 fighter jets acquired before the war from Russia fully operational, but defended their acquisition as necessary. Tonayan said his greatest failure was not preventing the war, both before or during it. And in local news, on July 2, it's all local, but on July 29, Artistic Director and Chief Conductor of the Armenian State Symphony Orchestra, Sergei Sambatyan, and his father, former ambassador to Israel, Armen Sambatyan, were arrested. The Sambatyans were indicted for organizing large-scale fraud. According to the General Prosecutor's Office in 2012, they presented the Armenian government with a fake investment plan to build a multifunctional complex worth 800 million drums. The Prosecutor's Office added that the former Minister of Culture, Hasmik Borosyan, who is also under investigation for this case, used her official powers to the detriment of state interests in 2012. Two days later, businessman Arman Abedrosyan, accused of a significantly large-scale fraud involving the Sambatians was also arrested. According to the prosecution, Bedrosian was involved in a crime which caused the state a loss of 1 billion Armenian dirhams and uh, the 300-square-meter territory of the Tchaikovsky Music School in Yerevan was basically uh, usurped or stolen, the terms that they're using. The Sambatians deny all charges. Both uh, remain in pretrial detention. On August 2, the Armenian Minister of Territorial Administration and Infrastructure, Ganel Sanosian, met with Li Xiaopeng, the Minister of Transport of China. Army and China will soon sign an intergovernmental agreement on international automobile transports. In a statement released on social media, Sanosian said that the intergovernmental agreement on international automobile transport between Army and China is now being finalized and will soon be ready for signing. The ministers also discussed involving Chinese companies in the construction of large infrastructure projects in Armenia. This includes roads, bridges, and tunnels. Issues related to the development of international transport routes were also discussed. And on August 3, during a cabinet meeting, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan stated that the water crisis in Armenia is getting worse, caused by people's attitudes towards water and mismanagement of water resources. Pashinyan said he realized the seriousness of the water problem while visiting various towns in Armenia. He went on to say that the water problem will be the government's next strategic plan after implementing the plans related to roads, schools, kindergartens, and the health system. And how come it's taking us so long to realize this uh, we we've known a, it forever <laughs> forever our one of our first articles is like how like water resources are depleted and we live in a country where dead people consume more water than people who are living these pulpulaks have to go maria dead people <laughs> they're in in honor of people who have died Ha, huh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, I know. You've had to speak. Uh, sorry, I'm trying not to laugh. The activist okay sometimes <laughs> comes out. out and but the lugs are water fountains, and people, I'm just explaining and for people who might not know. And they're bleeding water 24-7 for decades. Rubina, when I moved to Armenia 22 years ago, and I saw people putting a watermelon under running water to make it cold, I knew back then that we didn't have the concept of water conservation, but... Well, moving on to smoking, Armenia's prime minister instructed on Thursday to strengthen control over the smoking ban in restaurants. Our goal is not to hand out fines. Our goal is to make people stop smoking, he said. Owners and employees should also be held responsible so they do not allow smoking. Uh, Pashinyan said, adding that the objective is to create the most uncomfortable conditions for smokers because in Armenia, as we know, law was passed, but then they also said that outdoor cafes, you can't smoke there either and people have been 
because not following yeah, the regulations. The uh, law was not fully reasonable. And th since the activist in me is now like the uh, civic alive activist and in well. me is alive and well, I can also point out to a couple of other problems it's generating. And if we're so worried about, you know, smoking, maybe sound pollution. Yes. Which maybe sound pollution. There's an article air. that Rubina has promised to write soon about sound pollution and her her arguments with the uh, bar owners in her neighborhood, So, which is a serious uh, well, issue. It's, it's kind of like this... Uh, connection between laws because once in, uh, indoor smoking was banned. Uh, banned everyone's smoking outside and when at three some, four uh, in the morning until five in the morning people are allowed to be at pubs and they have to smoke outside there's no way that other people can so making life as uncomfortable for residents as well yeah, as never possible, mind not smokers. Only smokers exactly well, well in his yeah. turn minister of internal affairs by Ghazarian said that from january 1 2023 until uh, today a total of 7,186 fines have been issued for violating the smoking ban, uh, 790 of which were in cafes and restaurants. And Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan has appointed his advisor, Hracha Sarkisyan, as Deputy Minister of Defense. Sarkisyan is Yerevan's former mayor, and he's been moving positions quite uh, yeah, rapidly. But he goes from that to that, and now Deputy Defense Minister. This is within a year. Less than a year, I think, yeah. Well, on July 29, the head of the Prime Minister's office, Arai Karutunyan, announced that one of the world's biggest stars is coming to Armenia. The world-famous singer-rapper Snoop Dogg announced on his social media that he will perform in Yerevan in September. Rumors began to circulate that the Armenian government will allocate $23 million for the organization of the concert. The government has denied these claims while not disclosing how much specifically it will allocate for the concert. All details, including its possible economic impact and other results, will be presented to the public when a decision is made by the government. This was told to Azadutun by the government. So at this point, we don't know. And Yerevan will host the International Boxing Association Junior World Boxing Championship in the November, December of 2023. This was announced by Arai Karutunyan again, the chief of the staff of the prime ministers. Uh, the Amenahayut <laughs> announcer of these things these days. Well, uh, 8,200 countries will send their teams to Yerevan. We have hopes of many medals from our young athletes, given their excellent results at the European Championships, uh, said Harutunyan and Maria, just uh, so that if someone's still listening to this podcast so <laughs> after 40 minutes they know uh we've been planning to launch our I magazine know. issue in dedicated in, in to july sports. to sports and all these stories and the issue we're sitting on because of the situation in Artsakh and uh how sometimes a lot of the things even my outburst regarding water and uh, mm -hmm. noise pollution is become it's sounding like Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Uh, yeah, in the, in the what, large picture. But again, and we've said, you know, since the end of the war, we've said that, you know, we've made a decision to keep working, keep living, working harder. But then sometimes, especially in this situation, it's it's become almost impossible. And at any rate, let's end the podcast on good news. Uh, on August 2, Armenian weightlifter Garik Garabedian in the 102-kilogram category won gold at the European uh, Under-20 Weightlifting Championships in Romania. He scored a result of 386 kilograms. He also won small gold medals in snatch and clean and jerk um, 
exercises. Which also reminds me, you also have a weight li- uh, an article about wa- weightlifting. We have an article here. about water polo. So yeah, a lot of uh, cool articles. And at one point, we're going to have to publish them. Um, but yeah, this is a kind of, uh, again, a very difficult week we've had here in Armenia and Artsakh. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for reading our articles. Please, you know, share them, amplify them. We've had some stellar pieces from um, different authors, from uh, Zorab Manatsaganyan, former foreign affairs minister. I think I said this last week, but let me say it again. Sheila Pailan, Sosi Tatikian, Alan Shaduns. We've talked about the Gharapag issue. We've tweeted about it and our live updates uh, to try to get it in the sort of international discourse. And today we published a security report, the July security report. Yeah, by Dr. Nersis Kopalian. It's about strategic intelligence and the importance of having strong, robust intelligence, which we never had and hopefully will have with a new security architecture that's being developed. So make sure to uh, read that as well. So have a safe and peaceful weekend. We'll be back again next week. (laughs) 